Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. A reading from Emily Towns. Sacrifice is a dangerous notion. It is dangerous because we often ask those who are the most vulnerable to give the most. Thus ends the reading. Awesome. So that was a reading from Emily Towns, who's a great woman, a scholar, and our names are Jamie Crumley and Portia Williams, and we are so excited to be partnered with the Millennial Womanism Program. You might be listening to us on our regular podcast, which is just two pearls, but you might also be listening to us on btpbase.org slash millennialwomanism, where we're partnering up with Liz and Melanie, who are the co-founders of the Millennial Womanism Project. So for those of you who are followers of Just Two Pearls, we know we have no need to reintroduce ourselves. But for those of you who are new to the podcast, we just want to tell you a little bit about ourselves. I'm so, I'm Portia. Would you like to introduce me to our fabulous, perhaps new listeners? Of course. And so Jamie D. Crumley, soon to be the Reverend Dr. Jamie Crumley. She is Reverend Crumley as she has been ordained in the American Baptist Churches. USA back in 2015. She is a graduate of Wellesley College in Massachusetts, and she's also a graduate of Yale Divinity School with two, yes, two master's degrees. And this fall, she will be starting her PhD program as she will be entering at UCLA. And she's also the author, Shameless Book Plug, author of Her Body Bears the Word, A Body Love Theology. This is my podcast co-host, Jamie Yes, and my co-host is the fabulous Reverend Portia D. Williams. Portia is a native of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and as of the time that we're recording this, she is a pastoral resident. I'm at Mount Airy Baptist Church, um, which is a great church that's located in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And Portia and I know each other because we're both graduates of Yale Divinity School in New Haven, Connecticut. And Portia is also a Spelman woman, much like Liz Alexander, who we're going to hear from a little bit later in the show. Um, Portia is also, you might know her from social media because she takes fabulous selfies. She slays all day. She's a fabulous writer. She has a great blog called Portionality. Um, And... You might have also seen Portia already this past summer on the Millennial Womanism Project because she was one of the contributors. So anyway, here we are. We're so grateful to be here and to be in conversation today with Liz S. Alexander and Reverend Melanie C. Jones of the Millennial Womanism Project. Hey, Pearl. Today we are here with Liz S. Alexander and Reverend Melanie C. Jones. They are the founders of the Millennial Womanism Project. They launched it in June of this year, 2017, and it is a collaborative movement towards sustainable initiatives for faith leaders and justice activists and advocates of today and tomorrow. Millennial Womanism draws upon a unique womanist epistemological and methodological framework that centers emerging voices of millennial women born between the years 1980 and 2000 and fosters intergenerational dialogue to transfer and translate sacred wisdom. Follow the hashtag Millennial Womanism Forum on the Black Theology Project, founded by Jamie Witten of Kinetic at www.btpbase.org slash millennialwomanism. So let me tell you a little bit about the founders. 
Liz S. Alexander is a womanist practitioner, social justice advocate, and change agent. Liz is the founder of She Dreams of Freedom, a national consulting firm that is committed to improving the outcomes of girls in the criminal and juvenile justice system who are between the ages of 13 to 24. SDF specializes in trauma, positive youth development, and gender-specific and responsive services. Liz is a member of the Expert Advisory Committee to End the Incarceration of Girls in New York City, as well as a member of the LGBTQI slash GNC Juvenile Justice Workgroup and at the Administration of Children's Services of New York City. Liz was also recently appointed to the inaugural Restorative Practice and Restorative Justice Advisory Group at the Lehman College in the Bronx. In 2015, Liz was recognized as a 40 under 40 young woman professional leader by Demoiselles to Femme, a trailblazing organization that serves girls on the south side of Chicago. And in 2016, she was named as a woman of influence by the YWCA of New York City. In 2017, Liz received the Harambe Award from the National Association of Black Social Workers for Exemplary Social Work Service. Liz also received a Master's of Social Work with a focus in trauma and violence from the University of Chicago School of Social Service Administration and a Master's of Religious Leadership with a concentration in social transformation from the Chicago Theological Seminary. Liz earned her Bachelor of Arts degree from Selman College, where Portia also attended, and she majored in sociology there. And then the other co-founder is the Reverend Melanie C. Jones. Melanie is a womanist ethicist, millennial preacher, and intellectual activist. She earned a BA in economics and political science from Howard and a Master of Divinity with a certificate in Black Church Studies from the Vanderbilt University Divinity School. Currently, Melanie is a Doctor of Philosophy candidate at Chicago Theological Seminary, where she studies ethics, theology, and culture. Her doctoral dissertation is entitled Up Against a Crooked Gospel. Black Women's Bodies and the Politics of Character in Religion and Society. And it interrogates Black women's body politics and moral formation, utilizing approaches in womanist theological ethics and Black aesthetics. For her distinguished research, Melanie was named a 2017-2018 Doctoral Dissertation Fellow by the Louisville Institute. Reverend Melanie is a visiting instructor at Bright Divinity School, which is located in Fort Worth, Texas. She's registered as an adjunct instructor at the American Baptist College in Nashville and the Illinois Institute of Technology, which is in Chicago, where she taught upper-level face-to-face and online courses in humanities, theology, ethics, gender and sexuality studies, and writing. Melanie's writings and sermons are featured in the popular digital and print publications, including the AKA Ivy Leaf Magazine, Chicago Theological Seminary Challenge and Response Magazine, ROHO, the Sunday School Publishing Board, the Feminist Wire, the Forum for Theological Exploration Blog, the Urban Faith App, and Urban Ministries Incorporated. Reverend Melody is a third-generation Baptist preacher, and she is the youngest ordained clergywoman at the South Suburban MD Church in Harvey, Illinois. Reverend Melody is an emerging millennial voice with a global public platform. She teaches in lecture halls and preaches in pulpits across the globe, She travels to cities in North America, Australia, the Bahamas, Bermuda, Cuba, Ghana, New Zealand, and the United Arab Emirates. Ladies, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. We're so glad to be here. Yes, we are thrilled to have both you, Liz and Melanie, here with us. We are ecstatic, just one, for all the work that you are doing together and also for the work that you all do individually. It's quite exciting. It's inspiring. I'm so inspired by it as well. 
And so um, today we're just going to have some dialogue and just engage each of you. Um, I'm so glad I've had the pleasure of just meeting both of you. Um, Liz, we've known each other from Spelman College days, you know, growing up and, and becoming women in that space. Yeah. And Melanie, I don't know if you remember or not, but um, we actually met back in 2014 at Tree Night Church of Christ in Chicago um, from a young adult event. So it's great that um, our paths are crossing again in this space and Thank you for allowing me to be a contributor as well. And so uh, mm -hmm. here we go. With, let's get, just jump right into it. So tell us about your orientation to womanism and womanist theology. Well, I'll begin. This is Melanie. Um, I grew up in the Black Baptist Church and um, had certainly grown uh, accustomed to navigating the politics of a sort of unspoken code that, black women um, were, ne were seen as unfit for religious leadership. Um, my particular community of faith, which is um, co-pastored by my parents, was certainly embracing um, my call, um, but I also noticed that we were navigating a tradition that was less than um, affirming of black women in ministry. So coming to theological education after finishing Howard, I was wrestling deeply with the question of uh, what does it mean to be a prophetic voice in a black woman's body? And I heard and read and began to learn about uh, womanists who were prophetic voices and of women who were black and female who were naming this themselves under this um, confessional identity as womanists, and we're seeking to uh, do truth-telling, justice-seeking, redemptive self-loving, and wisdom-bearing. And I started to uh, really dig deep in my scholarship, but also in um, courses that I took with uh, various uh, womanist thinkers and theologians in order to hone on what was the gift of this tradition and how it could empower me in my own vocation and ministry. And that led me to do doctoral work um, on this and to probe this even further um, in my future research and work. And for me, um, I came to womanist theology actually as an undergrad at Spelman College. It was the first time that uh, I was introduced to womanism um, as a concept and as a theological framework. Uh, so I think uh, you, just as an affiliate of uh, Spelman College Sisters Chapel, um, at the time under the leadership of, of Dr. Lisa Rhodes, she would often invite um, womanist preachers and womanist uh, scholars to um, preach on Sunday. And I think I may have um, – no, I'm clear, yes. Dr. Renita Weems, a renowned biblical um, scholar, came and spoke. Um, and I was so um, uh, moved and um, really intrigued about, um, like, her hermeneutic ap approach in terms of how she centered the experiences of black women. And before then, um, it never really connected uh, to me. And, I'm, and I mean, centered the experiences of black women in the context of the sacred and the divine. And for me, my background, uh, when I came into to Spelman, I was at a very wounded and broken place just in, in my life. Um, having uh, come to Spelman, um, you know, after, like, just really uh, dealing with the issues as a result of a, of a traumatic childhood. Um, so coming to, to Spelman, 
Um, I was in a place where, you know, I was um, just really seeking clarity around um, uh, issues of, like, suffering, um, but also, like, leaning really close to God, you know, and my concept of the divine at the time. And so to hear Dr. Weems, um, who I believe was my first introduction, uh, like I said, to womanism, since the experiences of, of black women was just, it was just really transformative to me. And from then, um, it really sparked my, my um, further inquiry of, of what this whole concept of, of womanism was. Awesome, awesome. And so I really think that it's powerful when we consider womanism as like the centering of black women in the text and black women's experiences for sure. So I definitely, we appreciate you just sharing um, your experience. What exactly is millennial womanism, though? Like, can y'all explain that? Like, this is a new groundbreaking framework. And so could y'all just explain what that is? So I, I think it's important for um, us to start with the term womanist, and I know the pearls mm-hmm. are definitely clear on its origin um, as coming from black, you know, idiomatic expressions, but particularly being framed in a way um, that was important for womanist theologians from Alice Walker's In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. Um, and her kind of four-part framing really became adopted by early womanist thinkers like Katie Cannon, Jacqueline Grant, Dolores Williams, and so many others since then. Um, And in that sense, womanist theologians stood apart from white feminists um, who were also rallying for or rallying against patriarchy and uh, forces of domination against women, but feminists uh, were all also uh, had at that time in the kind of early 1970s, 1980s, um, were uh, not really interested in conversations of race and class or the intersections of that. Um, and then at the other kind of end of the spectrum was also black liberation in the 60s and 70s, black liberation theology that um, had failed to address issues concerning gender. So womanist theology comes out of this liberationist discourse but seeks to get at some of those intersections of race, class, gender, now sexuality, and more others, right, more other intersections. Thirty years later, uh, we can say that a womanist theological enterprise that has been initiated by ethicists and theologians and biblical scholars and historians and pastoral caregivers, religious leaders, and even laity, right, folks who are Mm -hmm. in the seats, right, Um, and in churches doing um, powerful work um, through their lived experiences. um, uh, Womanists particularly have been trying to situate black women's experiences from the margin and make it central and to take seriously at um, the analyses of race, gender, class, sexuality, and so forth, how do black women sit at the kind of center of that discourse. So coming on that strong and firm foundation, millennial womanism um, is asking a particular question, uh, where is and how can womanism translate uh, for a contemporary society when um, the emerging generation are those of millennials who are up and coming um, in our churches, in our classrooms, and also um, on our front lines of social movements, right, from Black Lives Matter and beyond. 
uh, millennial womanists are trying to, you know, get at, build beyond or move forward, take from the promise of the womanist discourse and move it forward by um, expanding um, our um, claims in a way that uh, makes sure that the freedom and flourishing of black women and girls is remains central, but also moves beyond respectability politics and strives for our healing and wholeness and seeks for, you know, collaborative justice that dismantles systems of oppression and also calls for restorative justice to foster transgenerational bonds um, between elders and younger generation. And then most importantly, and what's probably most significantly to a millennial generation, is to um, center uh, social media as a methodological resource for womanist work and witness. Um, so that, to me, is where millennial womanism emerges and, and what, what it um, intends to possibly create platform or space to do. And just to add, I mean, thank you, Melanie, I mean, because you covered that so well. You know, I also just want to add that um, just like our womanist foremothers, millennial womanism came out of the space of, um, you know, we need to create something that reflects our lived experience. And, and in terms of millennial womanism, the we I'm referring to are women uh, who were born between 1980 and 2000. Um, so, so us, right? And, I mean, several of us have had the privilege to really learn from our womanist foremothers, whether it be literally in their classrooms or through their texts. Um, or even in just personal mentor relationships. And so this millennial womanism gives us an opportunity to say, hey, you know, let us show you um, what we have learned, right, from you. Let us show you um, as a result of really being um, immersed and ingrained um, and, and heavily influenced by the work that you all have done. We also have um, our own unique, right, visions for um, for womanism, right? Like we also recognize that, like you, we have a responsibility to push this this work forward um, as we continue to work for liberation. I'll also add um, that I, one of the things I really love about millennial womanism is is uh, is that we do take an innovative approach, right? Um, we we do move beyond respectability politics. Um, we we center collaborative um, work, and that can look like so many ways, right? Like even with the uh, Millennial Womanist Forum, which I know we will talk about, we included um, uh, we were intentional about including um, uh, collaborative voices, right? So looking at men who use uh, womanist methodology in their work. Right, so we are we are really intentional about like pushing against the margins, like expanding the womanist discourse in um, territories where um, it hasn't been um, up and up until now. Awesome. So I want to encourage those who are listening to go over to the Black Theology Project over at Base to really get into Liz and Melanie's piece on tilling the soil and an introduction to millennial womanism. I really want you all to engage that piece, and also use the hashtag Millennial Womanism as you do it. Yes, yes, yes. And I just mentioned BASE. So could you kind of share with us how did the forum on BASE come into being? Like, what, what, like how did this come into being? Like, what happened? You know, <laughs> share with us. So I'll just say that so Melanie and I have been in relationship for a number of years, right? And so we have, this is not our, our, um, our first time doing collaborative work. So I, like we, we have history and we've been doing the work for some time, right? And so, um, so our first, our first collaborative um, 
uh, relationship began when we actually were in, in Ghana. Melanie and I both uh, co-authored a piece on um, Melanie Help Me Out, when Narrative as Sacred Text. Yeah, when yes. Thank you. Yes, when caged bodies testify, narrative is sacred text, and so um, and I and I want to name that because it's pretty. I feel like it was the great um, precursor to us forming millennial womanism, and so we took the um, the memoirs of four uh, women, uh, uh, Janet Mock, right, who is a a, a, a trans activist. Uh, we we also looked at yeah, she's incredible. She's incredible, right? Um, we also looked at uh, Lema and, and Govi. She does. Um, she did the. Um, what is uh, the, the the her work is on? Um, she. Thank you, thank you so much, Melanie. Yes, Mighty Be Our Powers, and so she really was instrumental in the liberation movement in Liberia, right? And she was also in, very instrumental in electing the first woman uh, president, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, in Nigeria. Um, we also uh, looked at Maya Angelou's, I know the Why the Cage Bird Sings. And what was the other one, Mel? Stacey Ann Chin. Yes, Stacey Ann Chin. Um, and so, so, yeah, so we looked at these women's, um, at these women's uh, memoirs, and we were able to, um, and it was just an a, a overwhelming theme in terms of bodies, in terms of um, encountering the sacred, um, and, 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 of course, centering their experiences as, as black women from their uh, individual and unique context. And so from that work, uh, Melanie and I have, have uh, always been in contact, always has been just through our in own individual works um, and, our, and our commitment to womanism. Uh, when it came time to do the forum, this literally came out of a, of a conversation um, that was just a part of our normal check-in. And so, you know, it was, it was around um, looking at what ways can we expand womanism. And I know for me at that, at that time I had uh, finished seminary and I was heavily into justice work. My work is supporting girls in the criminal and juvenile justice system. Um, and, and at that time I was looking at, really deeply looking at ways to um, connect my, uh, my, my seminary work to the work that I was doing uh, so it was really of, of looking at what ways can I re-enter uh, social justice ministry. And so um, because I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I was not in the academy. I, I won't ever go into the academy. Um, so I was not in these traditional religious spaces. But again, uh, women's theology was my point of reference for doing my work. And so um, just from a, just a, an exploratory conversation and a check-in, um, Melanie, Melanie literally um, came up with, like, the term millennial womanism because um, I was talking about uh, – uh, I, was, I was exploring uh, wanting to create a project on centering millennial womanist voices because of, you know, I have – you know, we, we are in this space, so we know from us and our sister friends who are millennials, um, you know, we all have our, our individual work, and we're all doing powerful things. And so our, the conversation uh, was really around, you know, how do we mobilize these voices? Um, and then how do we do it in a space where, um, you know, a lot of folk are claiming millennials are – it was just very negative in the way that um, millennials were being described at the time, especially millennials um, of faith. And so, um, so millennial womanism came out of kind of wanting to create like a counter-narrative of, of what at that time I thought was dominating the conversation around um, millennials of faith. So just to sum up everything I just said, um, again, it came out of um, Melanie and I in, in our friendship just checking in, uh, really um, 
being interested in the individual work that we both were doing, me figuring out um, uh, at that time exploring how do I get back into, um, well, how to connect all the pieces of my identity and work, right, as someone who does justice work, as someone who supports girls, and as someone who, again, the point of departure is woman in theology. And then, you know, how do we elevate the voices, highlight the, the powerful work that our sisters are doing as millennials as a counter-narrative to what at the time was a dominant narrative, a dominant negative narrative around uh, millennials um, of faith. And BASE became a primary site for us um, and our work with um, Jamie Wooten. We know of his work um, first with Kinetics, Live, um, which is the most progressive blog that deals with people of African descent, the black church, and issues of social justice. And initially when we hit him up, he was um, eager to tell us that he was launching a new site called the Black Theology Project, which would be curating theological resources for black lives, and it was particularly a digital learning project that sought to strengthen social movements by bridging the gap between uh, the academy, church, and community. So when he told us, um, we pitched him our idea about gathering these millennial voices, he signaled to us that the Black Theology Project would be the perfect site for it, and we agreed um, that, that millennial womanism would be the first form on that site and be the perfect place um, to gather what ends up becoming um, June 5th through the 16th, and we were able to gather voices of 16 black millennial women um, who are bombshells um, across this nation who are just doing just amazing things. And, of course, Portia was a part of that group, Pearl. Shout out to you, um, Portia. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and uh, we also wanted to have men at the table who we call womanist collaborators, persons who do not identify as womanist but certainly have been um, impacted and utilized womanist methodology. Um, so we were grateful to have them and then most importantly to have seasoned womanists. So we were able to have um, Lisa Rose, former dean of the chapel at Spelman, and um, Dr. Renita Weems, who Liz already mentioned, a profound biblical scholar, um, to lead with the millennial voices, women's voices, to have dialogue and conversation with the black millennial men, but also to um, understand uh, whether there is some promise for this millennial womanism and how we can, again, transfer and translate survival strategies and tools with, um, with our elders. And uh, the project itself was extremely successful um, in the sense that uh, we had over 2,000 shares um, and over 100-plus thousand um, uh, um, views that were able to come through and um, just really made a uh, statement to us and to this world that um, folks are interested in um, some dialogue not about millennials are leaving the church, millennials are leaving the church as Pew Research mm -hmm. Center reports, but also about how millennial, um, millennials are shaping faith discourse um, and justice discourse in this season and time. Yes. And I'll also add that we were really intentional about using uh, millennial Right, uh, because we could have, um, in the womanist tradition, I guess we would, I mean, there, there is debate, but for the most part, we would be considered the fourth wave 
right, of, of womanist, um, womanist scholars, justice workers, um, academics, et cetera. But we were intentional about using um, the term millennia, millennial uh, as, as uh, an attempt um, to really take back uh, and, and to take back and reclaim, actually, not take back, but to reclaim the term and to redefine it um, out of our own context. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really, really good. Like, I think you all are, you know, breaking, not necessarily breaking a barrier. You are breaking a barrier, barrier right? But you're also building upon the foundation that has already been laid, right? So we're standing on the shoulders of our foremothers and foresisters who've come before us. And so I want to say thank you, you know, for just building it a little bit higher, you know, as we go higher and higher. Every round goes higher and higher. You're helping to build this up, you know. We're edifying each other. And I think it's so beautiful to see. And so in the spirit of collaboration, why is collaboration at the center of your vision for the Millennial Womanism Project? I think for Liz already mentioned that, you know, the origin of our kind of Millennial Womanism thoughts came from, you know, our time in Ghana. Um, and when we were in Ghana at the then the Daughters of African Atlantic Fund, their consultation then, um, I think that was, what, 2014, uh, Liz? Yeah, around that time, yep. Um, in the summer of 2014, we were really passionate about um, Liz as a practitioner and as a uh, having a social work background and being um, extremely um, popular in um, or extremely relevant in her work with narrative therapy uh, with girls and then my kind of academic uh, work um, on bodies. We were really intentional about uh, finding ways to have cross-conversation um, from our various backgrounds in order to work collaboratively. Um, and we talked about how we hadn't seen that a lot, right? We saw academics with academics, and we saw, you know, um, social justice leaders with social justice folk, right, and activists on a different side. And we wanted to kind of decenter that narrative through our work, and ultimately, the formation of this project also does that in many ways, right? We're saying that to be a millennial womanist, you might not um, be in any of these ecclesial spaces or you don't have to belong to a certain one, um, that there's possibility for you to take up the ideas and to um, um, take up the methodology and to use it in your work and life and make these commitments uh, without these having to belong to certain spaces. And even when certain folk don't belong to these spaces, right, they can claim a certain sense of belonging with millennial womanism. But collaboration for us is important because so it's so much work to do out here, right? The harvest, mm-hmm. right, is, is plentiful um, in the sense of justice work that is necessary in, um, at this current time, and we also see the fallout of black women who are overworked, right, Um, who are underpaid, um, who are um, certainly overutilized but not given the resources to do that work. And for Mm -hmm. us, um, part of collaboration um, makes space um, for us to commit to to various things but also um, make 
responsible practices as well as healing practices that do not mm-hmm. overwork us, right, that, that make space for us to have uh, vacations and time off, right, that, that allows us to be um, technically excellent and spiritually mature but also communally engaged. And that's why I like, you know, I'm so happy that we're on the Pearls program today because I think, Jamie, you and Portia um, model that sense of, if there is something that we agree on, let's do it together, right? Let's not be um, everybody doing their own thing, but can, are there spaces where we can work together and find meeting ground? Exactly. And I'll, just, I'll also add that um, Melanie and I, we're not interested in reinventing the wheel, right? And we know um, that there are folk out, out here who have done the work and are doing the work. And so the aim is how can we combine our expertise? Um, and so, again, and, and our being on, on you all's uh, Dynamic Phenomenal, right, podcast is, um, is an example of that, right? Like you all have a space. How can we, you know, support you and how can it be a win-win, right? And so we look to, to replicate this in, in many um, areas. And I, I just also, in terms of collaboration, I really want to list up um, Dr. Marsha Foster Boyd, who is a renowned womanist pastoral theologian. Because in Ghana, um, one of the, um, the pearls of wisdom that she shared with us um, was just was was really to collaborate, and I think it was in a in a space of of her personal reflection, right? Of of what can be done better, right? And 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 I and in from that space, it was just like you know I wish we would have collaborated more. And so her wisdom to us was to collaborate, and it's probably one of the best things, one of the best pieces of advice that she could have ever give, given. So not only in this in this space, but it's just in my own life and my own work, um, collaboration is is so key. Awesome. So what I what I hear you all saying is that collaboration, you know, is sisters and, and especially in this space is sisters coming together in clarity and in commitment. So I like that right there. And so yes, you're absolutely right about collaborating and you know, when Jamie and I came together and it's like, Hey, you know, let's try to do this podcast. Like, you know, we both have an interest in doing it. It's like why not do it together? You know, we're friends, exactly. we're colleagues. It's like, well, why not? Um, as we're nearing our time together on this day, we just want to ask two more questions. And so, um, Melanie, if you could take this one, and then I'm going to ask Liz to take the latter. Where can folks begin to learn more about womanism and religious studies? And then the second question is, what's next for the Millennial Womanism Project? Because we want to see more. We want to hear more. I mean, you all have done a great launch. You all are doing great work. But you can't just stop here. You know, you got to keep going. <laughs> where, where are we headed next? Yeah, I think, you know, following the momentum of the forum, we always are getting questions like, uh, what is womanism or where should I start to learn more about womanism and religious studies in particular or who are millennial womanists reading or sourcing? Um, so to that, um, our next project will certainly be a syllabus um, helping people to, um, a volume one, an introduction, helping people to um, figure out what sources, what texts um, can they go to in order to find um, and start their journey or continue their journey in learning about women's theology and um, practice, and also um, outlining who are the millennial womanists out here to watch, right? Who should we be looking out for? Who has um, these platforms, podcasts, blogs, um, all of this, right, who are helping to, you know, shape social justice for this, for this season and time. For text, 
as an immediate, I would my first go to if folks are looking for a primer about womanist theology, certainly check out Stephanie Mitchum's entrance to womanist theology, and then I would hit you know those trailblazers texts starting with Katie Cannon's Black Women's Ethics and Katie's Cannon, Jacqueline Grant's White Women's Christ, Black Women's Jesus, Dolores Williams' Sisters in the Wilderness, um, Bernita Williams' Justice Sister Away. If a text is not what you can find immediately, I would certainly YouTube um, What Manner of Woman Is This, Womanist Documentary that comes um, out of Vanderbilt's Womanist Institute work, or Journey to Liberation, The Legacy of Womanist Theology, which talks about the birth of womanist theology um, starting at Union Theological Seminary. Um, that would be a starting place um, for folks who are interested in learning more about womanist theology. And it's, in, in terms of what's next for the, woman, uh, for the Millennial Womanist Project, um, just naturally uh, my, my uh, reaction um, was like, girl, uh, we just have so much going on. Like I'm literally almost getting goosebumps um, because of the excitement. And so, uh, so what we're doing now, um, we are actually hosting, we'll be hosting um, intergenerational womanist gatherings um, in, in across the country actually. And so we have um, one coming up on the East Coast, right? So we have invited womanists um, from New York, from New Jersey, from Connecticut, from Boston. Melanie, feel free to chime in if I miss out on anything. Um, so we will be gathering, um, you know, with the with the intentionality of really building a womanist community, right? I mean, and building it, um, you know, with the intention of of, of fostering bonds, um, you know, creating dialogue, creating um, um, womanist spaces uh, from women from womanists across multiple generations. Um, the second thing that we, well, not second thing, but another thing that we have going on is that we will be launching um, a womanist column um, from the forum. We are very clear that our voices are wanted and needed, right? And and we have only covered uh, 16 womanists, but I'm telling you there are so, 16 millennial womanists, but there are so many more, so many more. And so we're committed to continuing to, um, you know, to provide space to elevate these voices. And so we will have we are, we will have a permanent column on base, the same site where we had our our form, um, to continue to again um, create space for millennial womanist voices. Um, we will also be uh, producing a womanist syllabus. We have partnered with um, uh, Candice Bimbo, the sister who did um, Lemonade Syllabus. She was also um, a contributor on the womanist forum, so we will be creating a millennial womanist uh, uh, syllabus, right? So listing uh, texts around um, variety of uh, topic areas, including, of course, religious studies, um, social justice work, spirituality, um, and then in that um, we will have like millennial womanists to watch. So those are some immediate things that will be coming out um, in the next month or so. But, of course, I mean, the momentum is there. We are very clear that the Millennial Womanist Project is here to stay, right? Like, this is our work, um, and we're going to continue to push the work forward. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I guess we'll have a point to say this, but I, I guess I'll say it now. Um, but so for those folks who are interested um, in um, getting involved with the Millennial Womanist Project, um, feel free to um, – Follow us, like and share, like our page. Follow our page, like our page on Facebook, the Millennial Womanist Project, and follow us on Twitter at Millennial Womanism. 
fabulous. Thank you so much, Liz and Melanie. We are so thrilled um, that you have come on just to Pearl to share a little bit more about the Millennial Womanism Project and all the incredible work that you have coming up. I just kind of want to summarize for the Pearls a few things that were said on the, uh, during our conversation that really stood out to me. But what really stood out to me was some of the um, education that you all provided for our listeners in terms of what exactly womanism is and why it matters so much. Um, you have explained to us that the reason why womanism was necessary and continues to be necessary is because so much of feminism fails to um, really discuss that intersection that's happening at the intersection of race and class. And then black liberation theology, uh, which fails to respond to gender and sexuality and the way that womanists 30 years ago and that womanists continue to fill in at those gaps, uh, which is really profound work. But what I think is really revolutionary about what you ladies are doing is bringing it to our current generation. Because even though it um, is only 30 years old, I think the world has changed in so many profound ways. And you all, through your work, especially through your use of social media um, and other tools like uh, our, our podcasts and like blogs, you are really responding um, and resonating with the needs of today's womanists. And I'm so excited about the work that you are doing that's helping us to move um, beyond respectability, beyond feeling caged and restricted by these bodies, um, and to a place where we really feel empowered, and um, not only in the church, but also in the world, knowing that, as Melanie said it, um, at the beginning of the show, that black women, that we can be prophetic, um, and that we are prophetic, and that the work that we do is prophetic. And finally, the last thing that I want to bring up that you ladies talked about, um, because it is so important to us at Just Two Pearls, is collaboration. Um, and I can't emphasize that enough, Pearls. Um, and like Melanie um, and Liz have pointed out, they are in different, they come from different um, backgrounds. Um, Liz is an activist. Melanie is doing amazing work in the academy. And they found a way to marry their passions and their interests in ways that heightened visibility, um, not just for them, but more importantly for the work that they're doing. Um, and it's powerful work, and um, they're inviting us to get on board and to be co-collaborators with them, which I think is amazing. So follow them on Facebook and on Twitter. And remember that you can start following this fall their weekly uh, columns um, on the base forum, um, which is www bttbase.org slash millennialwomanism. And we will be sure to, on our website, also have a link to the syllabus that they're doing. Um, and of course, you'll be able to hear them here on our show so you can get some of those resources that they referred us to. So thank you so much, Liz and Melanie, for stopping by Just Two Pearls. We are so grateful to Liz and Melanie for their presence today on our podcast. And we have a segment that we do every week on our show, which was created by the awesome Portia, and it's called Petty Pearls. And so we're just going to be petty for a second, and we're going to explain to you something that will be extremely petty for you to do. And you know what will be petty? After Liz and Melanie have done all of this hard work, after they've brought together all of us as millennial women, talked to us about womanism, given us this education, what will be petty is to not support the Millennial Womanism Project. So y'all, let's get it together. Let's be collaborative. Let's support each other. Let's rise together. Don't be petty. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Just2Pearls. 
And you can email us at adventures at just2pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.